Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Beyond the Mission, the business of nonprofits on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton Allen, and I have with me Mike Hess, the Senior Director of Patient Outreach and Education for the COPD Foundation. Today, we're discussing the important topic of health, specifically COPD. Welcome, Mike. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on today. We're excited to learn more about COPD. Mike, you're known as the COPD dude. Please, can you share a little bit more about this intriguing title? <laughs> yeah, it's actually a fun story. I am uh, by trade a respiratory therapist. I've been a respiratory therapist for about 15 years now, with the last uh, six or seven or so with a particular focus in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. Uh, many people may know it more as uh, emphysema, chronic bronchitis, those sort of things. It's a bit of an umbrella term. I was presenting to uh, my national professional organization, the American Association for Respiratory Care, a couple of years ago in, in San Antonio. And after the presentations, of course, this was a nice resort. So we all headed out to the, the pool and Lazy River area and all that. And my wife and I were floating down the Lazy River. And one of our other conference attendees floated past a little faster and he was enjoying himself quite a bit. And he said, hey, it's the COPD dude. All right. And kept on floating. So I thought, well, that sounds like a fun title. I think I'm going to run with that. Well, you know, your job can be easy because it's very scary to not be able to have the ability to breathe. As humans, we like to breathe. And so I, you're, I have found that. Yes. <laughs> so you're a pretty important guy in people's lives, I'm sure. Well, thank you. My most important role is to try to to help people understand what that's like, because I've noticed that a lot of people sort of take their breathing for granted for a while until they can't. That's an issue we have with COPD. We have a lot of delayed diagnosis because people may think that they're just getting older or they're out of shape a little bit. And that's why they have breathing problems. But that's why we have only about half of the people with symptoms and with actual airflow obstruction, we call it, who actually get diagnosed. So it's an important important piece of advocacy. And that's uh, something that I really like to focus on. I've read somewhere before that a lot of people don't know they have breathing problems until they're corrected or remedied. And then all of a sudden they realize what they had been lacking in the past. Is that a true statement? Oh, it's very true. And prior to joining the foundation, I was actually in practice in an outpatient setting, doing a lot of patient education, and diagnostics and that sort of thing. And I can tell you my absolute favorite visits were the times when people came in and they were having difficulties. And then we put them on an initial plan. And then about a month later, they come back for their follow-up and they say, wow, I really had no idea how bad my breathing had gotten until it got better. So thank you. Those were the absolute best times. So at what point do we see our doctors when we are, I don't know, I mean, if people are having trouble breathing and they don't really notice, what is it that would make me go to a doctor to eventually identify an issue that would make me see someone like you? Well, it can be a little bit tough. The earlier, the better, I would say. So if you ever have any issues about your breathing, make sure that you uh, you talk to your clinician about it. There are some very simple non-invasive tests that can be done to help look for some of these issues. One of them is called spirometry, where basically you just kind of blow in a tube a few times with certain technique, and we're able to see how well the air is moving in and out of your lungs. A few other things here and there, but the earlier we can get these issues detected, the better on um, the more we can delay the, the worsening of symptoms down the line. Thank you. That's really important information for people to know. I'm also wondering if environmental factors play a large role in COPD and substandard conditions. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that intersectionality? Absolutely. Many people look at COPD as a quote unquote smoker's disease because roughly 75 to 80% of the cases that are out there are in fact caused by tobacco smoke. 
But there are a lot of other environmental factors too. In the developing world, we actually see most cases are, are caused by wood smoke or biomass smoke that's used for fuels or cooking and things like that. And of course, there are places in the developed world, like in even right here in Michigan, where people in rural areas are going to be using those same biomass fuels for, for cooking. And it's very similar smoke particles, very similar fumes and all that sort of thing. Also, we see a lot of people have an overlap between asthma and COPD. So they have this kind of what we call reactive airways thing going on, where if they encounter an irritant or a pollutant like that, uh, black mold, dusts, dirt, animal dander, insect remnants, that sort of thing, their symptoms actually get to be a lot worse. We see that overlap uh, has a much more significant impact on quality of life than either disease process would have by itself. So Prior to diagnosis, after diagnosis, it's really important to try to have an optimal living condition so that you can, again, minimize that impact on quality of life. I really appreciate you giving that health perspective because at times when we're looking at community health, we're looking at all of the social determinants of health and how they intersect and how important they are, not just individually, but how they interrelate. And so you could have somebody who has maybe a sensitivity to a breathing issue and put them in a terrible environment, and then that's increased. Or you have somebody who is sick all the time because of breathing issues, then they can't go to work or they can't go to school. So they all interplay. So thank you for helping expand that perspective on how one can impact the other. Right now we're dealing with COVID-19. This is a virus that is novel. It has a lot of unknowns. We're kind of learning in real time how it impacts us. But what one of the things we do know is that it's a respiratory disease of some sort and or it can manifest as a respiratory disease. That must be terrifying for you. This has got to be one of the biggest threats you've ever faced. It really has been, particularly because on top of being a respiratory therapist, I have a master's degree in public health. So it's been kind of a, a double whammy for me watching some questionable decisions made in the public health space all around. And as you said, it's a respiratory disease. And, and with my population in particular, we already have people who have immune system problems due to simply the fact of having a chronic condition. So these folks are wildly at risk for additional compromise. And when you have something like COPD, you're already kind of on the edge anyway. And so any other insult to the lung can really have a, a big impact. And on top of that, frankly, the downside to a lot of the lockdowns and, and such so-called uh, protocols, we see already, we already see a lot of isolation and anxiety and depression in this community, because if you're short of breath going to the restroom or that sort of thing, it's really hard to get out and about in the community. So we see folks who are already a bit isolated. And then when we take away some of their avenues for socialization, it makes it even tougher. So it, it's really a no-win situation in many cases. Sure. I really appreciate that. It must also be hard as I consider the implications of going out of the house in order to gain access to essential food or, or doctor's appointments. And folks who have COPD must really struggle with the idea of wearing a mask. Surprisingly enough, no. A lot of folks, there has been some evidence that COVID has not impacted the COPD community as much as we would expect based on population data and ratios and that sort of thing, because these are already folks who are very well invested in, in their own safety. They're already doing diligent hand washing. They often will wear a mask already. Yeah, of course, when possible. So we see folks who are already taking a lot of these interventions seriously. And so they've been keeping themselves safe, which is uh, one of the silver linings. 
Absolutely. That actually comes as refreshing news. So thank you for sharing that. It's tough sometimes to to find the good in amongst kind of scenarios that we're dealing with right now. You can become overwhelmed with negativity and that just felt like a little beam of sunlight. So thank you to know that there is still some safety in place. I know that sounds like a strange comment, but at, at times you can think that there's danger everywhere. We know that there are precautions that we can take to stay safe. And the COPD community was uh, top of my mind thinking that they were major risks. But as you say, there are opportunities to stay safe and I'm glad they are. So I wanted to ask you, the COPD Foundation obviously does some very important work and it is a nonprofit. And I would like to just know how you're funded and how people can get involved and help. We have a few Probably the, the common funding sources. We do have some industry partners that we're very grateful for their support. We also lean very heavily on research grants and, and that sort of funding. We have several different projects on various therapy areas from medications to oxygen to exercise and what we call pulmonary rehabilitation. So that funding is also very, very critical to us. And absolutely, we can accept the donations from the public. We are a nonprofit. So with all those tax implications, anybody who wants to support our mission or learn more about what we do or COPD, it's is very welcome to come to our website at www.copdfoundation.org and uh, learn more about us. Fantastic. www.copdfoundation.org. Well, we're out of time, but we're not out of breath. <laughs> Thanks to your work. It's been a pleasure, Mike, talking to you. I appreciate you giving me the time today. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Mission, the business of nonprofits. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton Allen on the Michigan Business Network. 